The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Countries 
and was a New York Times critic's pick. It won the 2021 BAFTA Choice Award, the Jury Award for Best Director, First Feature at the Pan-African Film Festival in L.A., and the Paul Robinson Award for Best Film of the Diaspora at FESPACO in Burkina Faso, West Africa. More recently, Marriott's documentary, Between Two Shores, aired on the PBS World Channel. Her TV comedy pilot, Caribbean Girls New York City, aired on Flow Network in the British Caribbean. And her documentary about Muslims in the West Indians was featured by Francais Television. Mariette is, is with us, and she's patiently waiting to be introduced. So let us welcome her to the show. Hi, I'm doing fine, and it's a pleasure to be talking to you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, um, well, I know you've been, well, I won't say vacationing in New York, uh, in uh, Guadalupe, because you do have a, 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 a apartment in New York, but at the present time, you are in New York, correct? Yes, I'm in New York. I came to see my son. I love New York because I, I lived there for 30 years. It's my home. And uh, But I chose a couple of years ago to return to my place of birth because I, wa- I needed to feel that connection with where I was born, and I needed to feel real at home, reconnect to, with my roots. So I went back to the island of Guadeloupe. Well, aren't you a lucky one? Because certainly yes. you're missing all the cold. Yeah, because I live in a beautiful place with the, where the sun is shining every day. I live in front of the ocean, so when I wake up, I hear the birds chirping and I see the waves uh, clashing, you know, on the, on the shore. It's just beautiful, and I'm really grateful to have that such a spectacular view when I know people here in New York are hurting badly. Uh, so we are hurting too, but under the sun, you know, suffering seems to be much easier <laughs> somehow. Yes, especially when you can go swimming in the ocean. Yeah, and it, well, swimming in the ocean, you know, gets me peace, you know, and watching the sunset every day, I'm grateful and I'm peaceful. Oh, yeah, this is great. Well, has coronavirus slowed down the filming of projects? Quite a bit for me, yes, quite a bit, and uh, I'm really sad about that. But you know what? I'm taking things as it comes, and I said to myself, things never happened for, uh, things always happen for a reason. And I took this opportunity um, to slow down, uh, smell the coffee, look at the things around me, and redirect my efforts towards uh, writing. Instead of being on sets and shooting uh, films, commercials, or institutionals, I decided to throw myself into the writing. And I've been writing a TV series uh, called uh, Caribbean Girl NYC, and I've been able to write my 12 episodes instead of uh, waiting, you know, for financing to do that, I went ahead because I didn't have anything else to do. So I said to myself, this is a gift that that the universe is throwing on my lap. And instead of complaining, I, I, I wrote. Well, that's a good thing 
So, uh, but where are are you going to film um, your series, um, Caribbean Girls in New York, in New York or 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 in the Caribbean? I'm going to uh, shoot it primarily in New York and some scenes in the Caribbean. By the end of 2021, I'm hoping that um, COVID will uh, will be will end or slow down to such a point that I will be able to pick up the, the cameras, hire a crew, and uh, do what I need to do to make this uh, TV series a reality because I've been waiting for quite a while. But uh, I want to be patient, and I'm hoping at the end of 2021, you know, I can shoot. Well, I must say that I admire you because filmmaking is, may appear glamorous, but really it's a lot of hard work. So what what attracted you to your career in filmmaking? What attracted me to my career in filmmaking? Uh, I think it was uh, the possibilities to tell my stories, to tell stories that I had deep inside of me that I did not see on on the big screen. I could see Western. Um, I could see a lot of uh, Bollywood uh, Hollywood pictures, but I didn't see my people uh, from the Caribbean. I, did, I couldn't see black people from Africa and 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 uh, and people from Af- from the African American diaspora. I didn't see them on the big screen, and I had story to tell. and And so that was my my first instinct, you know, tell my stories. That's that's what attracted me. And what was the first story that you told through film? Well, the first story that I told in a feature film was, again, my story, which was a very personal story about me not knowing my father and returning to the island where I was born to meet him. And uh, what was the aftermath of this meeting, how that transformed me and... uh, and made me the the woman that I am today. And the movie was called Elza, E-L-Z-A, and uh, it was about searching for my identity and reconnecting with my family that uh, I did not know, my family on my father's side of it. And have you? Have you connected with the family as a result of making the film? Very much so. And uh, it took uh, a few years. Things didn't happen overnight. We first had a, a first connection uh, when I first called one day and I say, "Hi, my name is Mayayet. Uh, I was told that such and such is my father. I'd like to meet him." And it was a woman who answered that phone call, and there was a really long pause. And it was then that I realized that the woman on the other line was my father's wife who had no idea about my existence. And I was too young at the time to realize how painful and horrible it must have been for her to receive that phone call um, 20 years after the fact. But you know what the first thing she asked me? How old are you? She said, how old? Yeah, because depending on my answer, 
she was able to determine whether my birth happened prior to her marriage to my father or during the marriage. And then she realized that it happened during the marriage, and so she was devastating. But what I never wow. told her, what I never told her was that I actually had a sister. So I, I made it sound like it was an accident, you know, things like that do happen. But it wasn't an accident. It was, um, it was something that uh, happened for a few years uh, and long enough for my father to have two children with the same wife. But anyway, um, so this meeting with my father uh, was very heartbreaking because it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. I was looking for, I was looking to meet him, look at him in his eyes, being embraced by him, being recognized. And none of those things took place because the way I appeared one day was too brutal and too difficult for him and his wife to accept. However, his wife was wonderful. She accepted me. She was sad, but she accepted me and she embraced She embraced me and said, I understand that a, a daughter wants to meet his, her father. And she opened her arms to me, but my father never did. And he, he told me that horrible sentence, with kinky hair like yours, you cannot possibly be my daughter. And I did not understand at first what that meant, but um, I understood afterwards that there was a, it was full of, uh, of racial uh, conflicts, uh, black against white, fair skin against dark skin, kinking hair against the flowing, flowing uh, um, soft hair. And so, so yeah, straight hair and uh, all the all the ingredients that makes um, life difficult uh, when you when when you're a, a man that had to that that was a victim of slavery because back deep in in his DNA there was still the trace of slavery and the fact that he didn't like himself, he didn't like being black, he didn't like having black children. But he was very fair. He was a very light-skinned person who did not like anything. He didn't like kinky hair. He didn't like being black, I guess. That's my assumption, you know. I never really talked with him about it. But no matter what, who what he was, who he was, it was still my father, and I loved him, and I needed him for being my father. And I always gave him the benefit of the doubt. And I, was, I never had... Um, hatred against him you know on the opposite i always i was always searching for his his uh, his arm you know his embrace it never did happen but it happened afterwards with his daughters and his granddaughters and now i'm very tight knit with the rest of my family on my father's side and that's beautiful so this film was like therapy for me and all the beautiful things that did not happen with my father happened with with this new family and I, and I thank them for that and I really love them and you know there's Miriam there's Josie there's Josie there's Evelyn there's um, my nephew uh, Jean-Marc there's uh, Lily and uh, and they're all beautiful and I love them very much thank you well, so that's still, a wonderful still can be thing. therapy. <laughs> yes. Do, yes, 
and, and do you see them now that you're in Guadalupe? They're in Guadalupe yes. or are they in Paris? They're in Guadalupe, and I, some of some are in France, some are in Guadalupe, some are in Martinique, and I um, and I see them very often. They're my new family. That's fantastic. I'm so glad that you discovered that family. And that and was let me yeah, and that was ahead. through film. That was through film. Film brought that to me. Yes, well, I I love your film. I've watched Elsa several times, and you do take poetic license at the end, but, well, you just made it the way yes. you wanted it and how you wanted it to be. Yes, because, you know, I think of film, I put in, in this film everything I wanted to have happened with my father, and I have this beautiful dance at the end when I'm dancing with my father. It never happened, but that's what I, I wanted, a happy ending. So <laughs> the little girl is, who wants it's, to dance. beautiful. <laughs> like it's, it's a very beautiful draws. film. Yes. Well, let me like, ask you, <laughs> what kind of education does a filmmaker need to begin their career as a filmmaker? Well, you don't really need any real education. I think the best education is learning on the spot, learning with the, with the with your peers, and uh, being on set. Uh, watch, being watch very carefully, observe. But if you if you have the money, there are some really good uh, universities or film schools that can teach you for four or five years to be a filmmaker. But you do need the hands-on. You need to be on set. And you need to shoot films. You can pick up your iPhone and uh, and shoot stories because it's all about the writing. You have to spend a lot of time writing and understanding yes. people, loving loving people, and loving your actors because you have your the actors have to trust you, and you have to create a space where they can grow and 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 uh, and let themselves go in order to give the best performance um, that they can. And they need that safety net. They need that trust that you as a director have, can work hard, you know, to to create that safe space, that safety net. So you you can you can study but the best the best study is, you know, loving people, understanding people, reading, writing, being aware about your of your world and be generous. You have to be generous because the actors, your crew, can feel your generosity, and they and they can they can give you everything if if they feel that you're giving them and you love them. Well, how do you come up with the concept of a film? How do you decide what you're going to film? Do people bring you know, scripts to you? I know you just said you wrote you write your own personally. Well, I I'm always open to shooting other people's ideas. So far, that hasn't happened much, but I'm still searching. Um, most of the things that I have shot were personal stories that happened to me that I fictionalized and improved in, in writing. But I write with a lot with, uh, from personal experience and also from my imagination and, um, and from what I read. It's my everyday personal experience that I put into the films. And also be careful about what you tell me because something that you tell me might very well end up in my film. <laughs> I understand that. Now, I guess I wanted to ask you about um, 
Well, how do you go about getting the startup capital? Because films are expensive to make. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. Um, you, as a young filmmaker, you can decide to just shoot with your iPhone, with your little camera, and 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 ask favors, you know, to people. But when you become a serious filmmaker, and and if you want to do professional work, you know, you have to search for capital. So I apply. I write, I apply to a lot of grants, you know, government grants, uh, private institution grants, and. Um, for France, for instance, we have a, a huge uh, a company. It's a government company called the Center, the National Center for Cinema, that gives grants, um, funding to, to to filmmakers. It takes years, but um, if you're selected, you you can receive quite a lot of money to uh, to. I mean, it's a sliding scale. You can receive up to a hundred thousand to sometimes to 800,000, a million. It depends on the project. So you have to be very, you have to fight. You know, my first feature film, Elsa, it took me six years to finance it. You know, six long years. Wow. Because, yeah, but um, but if you believe in your ideas, you can make it. You can make it. And that's well, you, you have to be for, a jack you know, of all trades, don't you? I mean, you you yes. you act, you you produce, you you direct, um, you yeah, search for that. the money, you do everything, right? It's it's your baby from beginning to end. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, you have to be a writer. You have to be an investor. You have to be uh, a parent for all your, all your actors and crew. You have to be. Um, you have to be a party person to organize big parties when everything is over. You have to be a therapist. You have to be a jack of all trades. That's it. And that's what I am because it's all about the vision that you have to be able to try to convey to convey to people. And you have to be able to surround yourself from a, 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 with a team of follow you in this adventure because it, it is an adventure. When you decide to make a film, it's it's years in your life. So it's not something that you choose to do, you know, like, oh, let's make a film today and it's done tomorrow. No, it's going to take a long time. So you have to be sure that this is what you want to do. Well, when you audition, what do you look for in in particular actor that that makes you cast them for the part for the part? You know, even even if they even if they're not that great, or even if they're not the best, what I'm looking for is that rage in their belly, that you know that they want to make that they want to be an actor or an actress by any means necessary, and that they are going to do whatever they they can to give you the best performance of their lives. Every time that you, that an actor get on set, it's a challenge. And if you don't want it, like like you're gonna die tomorrow, it's never gonna happen. So I'm looking for that passion. I'm looking mm-hmm. for the hard work. I'm looking for the the possibility, the, the desire to be better and to work their ass off. You know, to give you to give the best performance. Well, tell me, um, do you have to secure licenses to film in most locations? Yeah, especially in New York, there's a lot of uh, unions and a lot of authorizations, you know, that permits that you have to secure. Uh, So it is something that requires 
uh, knowledge. So I'm not the only person, you know, that works, you know, on my film. There's, you know, I have a crew of about 50 people, 60, sometimes less, sometimes more. And uh, there's a, a producer and a, a, um, a line producer. The line producer is usually the person that secure all the licensing, all the permits. Um, I'm, I'm always working with a lawyer to to uh, that who is going to write all the contracts, you know, to cover me and the production. Well, do you work solely alone or do you have a partner? Oh, no. Uh, making film uh, requires associates, partners. You you cannot make a film by yourself. Uh, so I do have a, a partner and I do have several producers, depending on the project, you know, that follow me. I'm, but I, I'm always a, a one, one part owner of uh, of my films because it's too difficult to make films to to let your film being owed by somebody of course if i was making films with hollywood you know uh, with big studios it would be a different um story but i'm an independent filmmaker and uh, i'm writing my own stories so it's very important for me to be to be part owner of everything that I do. And also for us black people, we we have an oral tradition and we keep very little things uh, archived. And I understand, I understood from the very beginning that for instance, I was the first woman of my island of Guadeloupe to have uh, um, directed a, a feature narrative on the island. So, it was very important for, to me to archive this film. And I know that we don't think about that, but in 50 years, you know, in a hundred, 100 years, that film is going to be a historical piece. And and I'm not saying that because I'm a narcissistic uh, a, a woman or or, or, to, or or I'm happy with what I, with what I did. I'm never happy. I, I'm, I always want to improve. Um, but... I have to recognize that I did a piece of work and it is here for the next generation to judge and to see and, and, and they will be able to see how we lived our life in, a, in, a, in, the, in the year 2000, 2020. So it is, it is a historical piece in that sense. And I wish that, you know, my, you know, the people before me who made some you know, in the island would have kept preciously the film archived for me to have traces and to see to see it. It's these are precious things that we you know we need to think about that that's important to archive our film because it's our culture and uh, it's important to to be able to know what happened you know in the past. Oh, definitely. Where, where we come from. Well, I'd like to ask you, how do you feel your career has grown over the years? My career has grown. I've grown slowly, but 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 surely, definitely not as fast as I would have liked it. Because I met, I I encountered many hurdles, uh, and now with COVID, I have to wait, you know, before shooting my TV series, but. With the support of my partners, of the public, because I did find, I found a niche audience, um, uh, people that that are following me, you know, no matter what, through thick and thin, and uh, I'm, 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 I have arrived to 
a point in my career when people are searching uh, uh, advice from me, are uh, searching, uh, inviting me to film festivals, at TV, TV at, uh, speech, uh, to give TV talks. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm definitely not where I want to be because I want to make films but faster. I don't want to have to wait, you know, for years before uh, making a film. But but uh, I'm happy to where I started compared to where I am now because I I live my life doing waking up every day flying out of my bed making what I love which is transmit my stories and make films being on set meeting people making narrative feature narrative documentaries commercials music videos and I love it. Oh, that's great! You have to love what you do. But financially, uh, is it profitable for you? It is profitable because I'm able to live with my art, you know, and make money with my art. You know, I don't have another job. This is not a second job, a weekend job when I can. This is what I do every day. I wouldn't be able to, you know, to, to have it any other way. So it is profitable because I'm able to, live on it but it's not like i'm making it's not like i have you know two houses around the world uh you know i have to make uh, ends meet but but i'm very happy with what i do and uh, the level of life that i have because because i attract people people come to me i talk to them i you know i'm generous with them i give i give and i receive and that's lovely and i'm grateful for, for the life i live well, do you have a website so people can look you up and keep yes. in touch with what you're doing? Yes. Yes, www.mayettemompierre.com. It's spelled M-A-R-I-E-T-T-E-M-O-N-P-I-E-R-R-E at gmail.com. Just my first name, my last name, dot com, Mariette Montpierre at gmail dot com. That's my website. Well, tell me just hit me up. Just hit me up on Facebook, Mariette Montpierre. Okay, they can do that too, folks. You heard that Facebook, and she just gave you her website address. Well, after you make this film, it's not over. You have to go and promote it. Distributed. How does that work? Well, I was able to, for my first feature film, Elsa, I was able to get a distributor. Uh, its name is Kino Lorber, K-I-N-O Lorber, L-O-R-B-E-R. And if you type Kino Lorber and the name, my name, and uh, the name of the film, you'll see that you can uh, stream the film under Black Voices, Black Stories, and uh, uh, I'm often invited to film festival to screen uh, my film in universities, in at movie theaters. So I'm able to to have uh, an audience um, and people, and my films are available, you know, online. Well, tell me and also what on DVD and on DVD and in schools, right? Sometimes the schools. So. Uh, and also on Canopy, on Canopy at the public library, if you have a public library card, you can, you know, uh, you can rent movies on Canopy, K-A-N-O-P, Canopy, a P-Y, and it's free. 
with your library card. Oh, cool. Well, tell me what, what, in your opinion, are the pros and cons of making films? Oh, wow. Pros and cons of making films? Well, getting a little easier now to be a black woman uh, making film because, you know, people are aware that we've been we've been uh, we we suffered from segregation from uh, for, the, for for from lack of diversity so now uh, we seem to be a little bit more visible but it's still very hard let's not kid ourselves it's still very hard but what you get from doing from doing film to me I make film because I love travel. I, I like to, I love to travel and meeting people, and that's what I get to do when when I screen films. I've been to Japan. I've been to Korea. I've been to 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 Senegal, Morocco. I've been to 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 Mexico. I've been to so many places, corners of the world, and to me, there's nothing better than traveling and being recognized in the in the four corners of the world. That makes me that makes me very happy. Yeah, and boy, is that great to be able to go to so many different countries. Um, also, uh, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to add because we're getting close to the end of the show? I would say please support the film, the black women filmmakers, especially the black women, because uh, uh, no, it's it's tougher for us to to make films. Uh, go uh, check my film online at kinolober.com. Uh, check my Facebook. Uh, like my uh, uh, everything you find with my name on it, and uh, send me a, a, um, a message on Facebook and on on Twitter and Instagram. So because okay. the more visible, the more visible I am on on the on social network, you know, the the easier my life is because people, the distributors, the producers, they do look that up to see how you're doing on social media when they when they're trying to make a decision about you. So that's very important. Okay, and and you are are taking a break between films right now, and as you said, you're writing and working on on your Caribbean Girls in New York script. But didn't you do a film recently? I think it's called Between Two Shores or something like that. Yes, yes. This that was a documentary about um, two do, two uh, women from the Dominican Republic leaving their children behind and go on a boat, risk their life to go to another island in search of a better life. And you know, after 13 years of living, they're still trying to to get their children to come and live with them, but the new place where they are, the government says, no, we don't want your children with you. So those children are growing up and they're, and, and they're becoming, they're missing their moms and it's heartbreaking. And this um, was, was a, a screen on PBS, the Afropop uh, section, and uh, is available. If you check out Afropop, you'll find that documentary available online for free. Um, it's called Between Two Shores, but you have to, to also type my name on the PBS website. Okay. You heard that, folks. Well, as I said, we have reached the end of the show, and the curtain has dropped, and I guess yes. I have to call you 
Thank you so much for having me on. It was lovely. Oh, I want to thank you for for sharing your busy time and gracing the show. And thank you again, Mariette, for being my guest today on the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. And I'm your host, Deirdre Schuler, who also thanks my listening audience for making my topic topically yours. So once again, Mariette, thank you. And I'm going to end this with um, the song Fam. Is it Fam? 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 Fam. It's, it's one of the songs that was um, uh, on, my, on, on my film, Elsa, you know, because this film had a, a, a wonderful soundtrack. And you can check it out on iTunes if you type Elsa and my name. And you'll find all the beautiful songs of the film. Okay, well, here we go. Fond, en nous allez,